Welcome to the Arkansas Wildlife Podcast, the official podcast of the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission. We are talking hunting, fishing, and conservation with engaging guests and in-depth discussions with game and fish staff. It's Arkansas Wildlife, the podcast for all things outdoors in the natural state. Welcome to the Arkansas Wildlife Podcast. My name is Trey Reed, Assistant Chief of Communications for the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission. My pleasure to host this podcast for you bi-weekly, wherever you are finding our podcast. I'm happy today to welcome in Ralph Meeker. He is the Statewide Deer Program Coordinator for the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission. Welcome, Ralph. Hey, Trey. And we're going to talk deer. I can't imagine why. It's fall in Arkansas. Uh, As we record this, it's still a little on the warm side, but I think by this weekend, we're going to have some real fall weather. Yeah, I I noticed uh, today drive down, the leaves are really starting to change. Uh, So that that really makes my neck swell, and and I'm ready for deer season. Just like a big old white tail. That's right, that's right. Well, you know, deer season is just around the corner. We're, what, I guess... Two weeks of Saturday will be two weeks away from the opening of muzzleloader season. That's the 21st. 21st. And then about six weeks from the start, or five, six weeks from the start of uh, modern gun season, which is the big one. So we thought it'd be a good time to talk deer. Yeah. Uh, Ralph, you said, let's talk a little bit about you first. You talked about driving down. Uh, you're based out of Fort Smith, right? Yes. Yes. And uh, tell where where are you from? Where where where's home for you? Yeah. Where? So home for me is Greenwood, just south of Fort Smith. Okay. Uh, I went to college in Fort Smith for a couple of years, uh, then transferred to Southwestern Oklahoma State, got my bachelor's, and then uh, went to UCA and got my master's degree there. And oh. uh, lived in Monticello. I was a forestry researcher there at UAM for a couple of years before coming to the Game and Fish Commission. How long have you been with Game and Fish now? Uh, almost twenty one years. All right. Wow. Uh, 21 years. How, when, when did you go into the role as deer program coordinator? Uh, so I got into the deer program, uh, in 2012 as the assistant deer program coordinator under Corey Gray. Uh, and then, um, after we detected CWD, of course, Corey, uh, went to be the chief of research. And then, then I, I took over the helm in 2017 as a deer program coordinator. All right. Was you so you CWD has been part of uh, part of your uh, professional life as since you've been part of, uh, yeah. been deer program coordinator. We'll talk a little bit more about CWD later. Yeah. We're going to talk about all things deer. Let's start on some some more positive things. Yeah. Well, I, I'd say one, one of the first things is I mean people are archery season's underway and they're already out there sticking some deer. We think you know what maybe around close to four thousand. Four thousand at this point. Yeah. I mean, our urban hunts seem to be going real well. I mean, they started actually uh, September the first, um, and you know from from all indications, that's usually a pretty good indication how deer season's going to go. Uh, they've been they've been hunting pretty hard and, and being pretty successful, so I'm excited to see what's going to happen. All right, looking ahead, we've got the we got the season coming up. I, I will not do a Steve Wildman Wilson. I will not <laughs> ask you for a season forecast, but we'll talk about some factors that go into the season yeah. uh, that that can affect success uh, because you can't predict what the weather's going to be, and that's such a, a big variable that we all have to deal with as hunters and anglers. But this is what what's this? Give me the give me the state of the union on Arkansas whitetail deer, Ralph. You know, you know, for the last couple of years we've had some rough seasons. Uh, really kind of started in 2019. We went down to 180 some odd thousand deer being harvested and then the COVID hit. Uh, sold licenses through the roof. Folks were out hunting and then we had a, a record harvest in 2020, uh, a little over 216,000. Since then, we've, we've kind of gone back down into the 180,000 range. Uh, and that was 
to some expect, to, you know, some respect to be expected. Uh, we've we've had three out of four years that are phenomenal mass crop. I mean, acorns everywhere. Uh, this year, uh, soft mass, the the persimmons and the muscadines have been phenomenal. So, uh, acorns are starting to fall now. Uh, so, I suspect it will probably be, you know, in that hundred and eighty thousand, maybe even one hundred and ninety thousand range this season, uh, weather permitting. So, um, you know, we've had some ups. We have we've had some downs. Uh, but, you know, like we said earlier, you know, knowing where our boundaries at is a good thing. I want to talk a little bit more about that because I want to put that in context, you know, because you, you, what does a number mean really without context? And you, so, so with the exception of 2020, we've been in that 180 to 185,000 deer check for the last four years. Again, 2020, a little bit of an outlier. A lot more people got out into the woods and decided to either return to hunting or become yeah. new hunters or whatever uh we don't have to cover all that covid related spike we yeah. think folks know about that but really what was it 2012 was that the first time we hit 200,000 somewhere around in there yes we went uh, to almost 213,000 we went from like 196,000 to 213 so we had a pretty phenomenal jump and been hitting that 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 200k mark pretty consistently until 19 and then you said back up above it in 20 and then it's kind of leveled off what what does that mean how do, how, do, how does the statewide deer program coordinator interpret th that that data well i mean those data to really appreciate it i mean you you think back and and i remember hunting in the early 80s when we were you know harvesting fewer than a hundred thousand deer uh so you know to go from you know that to this uh is is a pretty good jumping in itself yeah, there's even a lot more context yeah, back so, in the seventies and eighties. Yeah, so when you when you talk about fluctuating by a few thousand deer, that's not that really big, uh, that big of a deal. But for years and years, you know, we we operated, uh, in, in, in it was no fault to anybody uh, that managed deer, but you know, we we had a lot of deer and population had grown very quickly. Uh, so we provided a lot of opportunity extended season lengths. I mean, I remember deer hunting, you know, starting deer hunting, it was nine days uh, and you couldn't kill a doe during modern gun deer season. Uh, and so now, you know, you have 47 odd days to, to modern gun hunt in a lot of places. And so uh, for a long period of time, we, we provided opportunity, more and more opportunity, liberalized seasons, liberalized bag limits. And so now we may be getting to the point with the number of hunters that we have that we know where that ceiling's at. And that's a good thing. I mean, knowing where your boundaries are uh, to be able to more effectively and efficiently manage deer is a good thing. What does that what does that look like for the hunter? Because I don't want to create the wrong perception that like, oh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna go back to you can only kill two deer oh, no. or no does. I'm always, I just want to be clear. No, 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 no. <laughs> it, 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 you know, it goes back to, uh, you know, making sure that our bag limits are set properly. Um, you know, we're, right now we have a six, uh, deer bag limit statewide. Uh, we're, we, of course, we have our chronic wasting disease study that's going on up in north central Arkansas, and so that may um, modify some of our regulations in the future uh, when we know how CWD may be in impacting reproductive rates. Uh, because, you know, I, I tell folks deer management is all about managing the phones. Um, you know, it's like a bank account. The more deer you get into a population, the higher your bank account goes. The more deer you take out, the lower your, your bank account goes. So, you know, making sure that we, we're having fawns consistently, our reproduction is great. Uh, that's what's going to provide us the most opportunity. Uh, you know, when we get, um, you know, whether it's CWD or we get uh, drought uh, or, you know, 
or winter vortex that occurred, you know, during when those does are, were very susceptible, uh, you know, those things are going to impact. Um, uh, predation is going to impact, and a lot of these things have happened over time. Uh, but as we've increased our, our hunting pressure, uh, that, that adds to that pressure on our population. So, you know, really fine-tuning, you know, knowing exactly what we have on the landscape uh, and what we can allow people to, to remove. I mean, that's, that's really where we're at in deer management. You mentioned something before we came on for the broadcast that it could lead to some ways to, you know, something that hunters are always clamoring for, whether it's deer or anything else, simplification of regulations, Absolutely. zone structures and things like that. What does that look like? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we, what might it look like? Yeah, so, you know, looking at, at, at uh, adjacent deer zones and seeing how harvest rates are, I mean, that would be one of those uh, instances where we could combine uh, deer zones. Uh, we, we did that in 2019. We had 25 deer zones, and then we combined several, uh, and now we have 20 deer zones. So, you know, into the future, we may, you know, have more, you know, simplified deer zones, um, season structure. Uh, so... Anything that we can do to continue to keep hunters on the landscape and, and make our regulations more simplified, that's that's really what our goal are. I want to ask you this, I mean, just to, to clear, make things clear. I mean, are you kind of saying that, you know, when we were, when we hit uh, 216 by, or 213 back in 2012, and we flirted, you know, over, over 200 that we maybe it's kind of almost like a, a, a bubble in the market and we're, we're back down to like, you know, realistically yeah. where, 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 the, where the Dow ought to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right, right before that, uh, you know, we were, we were consistently harvesting 185,000 those three years right, right yeah. before then. Uh, so there's nothing to say that we won't go back to that point. Uh, but for, you know, to get, and, and that's what's kind of interesting about, you know, uh, a harvest record is that, all the deer zones really have to be hitting uh, or on all eight cylinders yeah. in order for that to happen. So that was what was really phenomenal by, by the 216. Mark. It was like people were killing deer everywhere. That's not, exactly not, right. Not just in, not in, 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 uh, in the middle of the Gulf Coast of Plain, Union and Bradley and Northwest, but everywhere. That's exactly right. And really, you know, when you look at uh, a lot of our deer zones and the harvest trends right now, um, a lot of them are pretty stable and, and or just slightly increasing. Uh, deer zone 12 is the only one that has, you know, showed a, a, a negative trend. Uh, and so, you know, if, if zone 12 was back to where it was a few years ago, there's a very good chance we'd be over 200,000 again. I mean, because gotcha. zones 12 is so big. What, what do you, what do you think is going on there? Why, why is zone 12, you know, coming back to reality, so to speak? Yeah, I, I think it's a combination of a few different things. Uh, one of them being, you know, for a long period of time, and you see this in a lot of southeastern states, you know, quality deer management, our focus was really balancing buck to doe ratios, uh, which is very, very important. Uh, however, over time, as you start to impact age class structures, specifically in the female segment of your herd, uh, those are, you know, the three and a half, four and a half year old does, those are the reproductively most capable. That's what's driving your population. So when you really hammer on does, at some point your age class is going to shift to younger does. And those does aren't as um, uh, experienced uh, at having fawns. Their bodies are not as physically mature as say in a three and a half and a four and a half. They don't know maybe, uh, you know, where the best forage is, where the best escape routes are. Uh, so, you know, there's some things there that could impact reproductive success by impacting the dose segment of the population. 
that could be part of it. Um, you know, timber management practices can be part of it. Uh, you know, for a long period of time, um, you know, zone 12 is, is timber country. Uh, and, you know, right about the time that COVID hit, we, they were cutting a lot of trees, a lot of timber, um, you know, for the housing market. And so, um, I, to point at one thing and say, that's yeah, it, sure, that's tough. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, I want to be clear too. I mean, kind of summing things up, what we've talked about thus far, I mean, white-tailed deer are in pretty good shape in Arkansas. Absolutely. And, you know, for a long time, we, we it, you know, compared to turkeys, I mean, we, we have operated on the, the end of the spectrum where we're reaching biological carrying capacity in a lot of respect. And so we have that flexibility to, to harvest a little bit more than what we normally do because we know we're going to bounce right back to that level. Mm -hmm. Whereas, whereas turkeys are on the lower end of that, and so you can really impact populations by over-harvest. Uh, whereas deer, I mean, we, we see it time and time again, whether it's drought, flood, uh, buffalo gnats. I mean, populations can take an environmental hit or a harvest hit, and they're going to bounce back rather quickly. Yeah, I guess that's that's, that's a good that, thing. That's a good when, thing when, for when, me when you're sitting in your chair. That's right. right. Uh, let, let's shift gears a, a little bit, Ralph, and I want I want to come back and talk about uh, CWD a little bit more before we wrap things up. But uh, uh, debuted a film here in Arkansas a few weeks ago, uh, Wild Tale, uh, yep. about uh, I forget what the subtitle is, but basically telling the a great conservation success story that a lot of people I think probably take for granted because yeah. like you said uh, here in Arkansas at least I mean you know uh, I live in Little Rock and there's deer walking oh, the streets yeah. we won't get into the whole urban <laughs> hunt or anything like that that's a that, that's a it's a podcast for another time but uh, tell me a little bit about that film and I, I guess what I'm asking is kind of summarize w what does the white-tailed deer mean to conservation, not only in Arkansas, but across really the eastern half of the United States? Yeah, so a few years ago, the, the National Deer Association, in conjunction with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, come to the, the, the deer managers of the southeastern United States, and they said, listen, we want to really promote deer hunting. Uh, you know, promote the importance of what deer means to, you know, you know the economy, to society, to the whole nine yards. So, um, you know, they asked us all to buy in uh, and pitch into this, and, and uh, they, they really had a great plan going into this that, you know, we're going to do this study, we're going to, you know, poll all these states, all these hunters, we're going to figure out what uh, economic impact that hunters have, uh, you know, on society in general. I mean, what, how much money do they spend on food plots, on deer leases, on, on equipment, on lodging, all of these things, you know, what kind of uh, input do they have into the economy? Uh, and then they really wanted to design um, these really, you know, marketing and promotional items using that information that they had collected. Uh, and then they wanted to uh, develop this documentary that really defines, you know, what a deer hunter's role is. You know, what, what kind of impact do they have? Uh, and so, you know, we, we see the amount of money that, that hunters pump in to the economy, hunters and fishermen, but a lot of times we, we lose sight of, um, that hunting is a management tool, especially when it comes to white-tailed deer. Uh, when people have a personal buy-in to a species or a habitat or whatever, they're much more uh, apt to protect that. And that's what deer hunters do. I mean, we, you know, we, we know that we have over 300,000 deer hunters here in Arkansas. Uh, over 95% of people that buy hunting licenses do so to hunt deer. Uh, so, you know, we really wanted to showcase, you know, we, we cannot move forward managing white-tailed deer and habitats 
because they are, you know, deer hunters. Deer hunters uh, are such a driving force in conservation. Yeah, I mean, I've heard white-tailed deer called the the, the cash cow conservation yeah. funding. I mean, yeah. because again, to your point, like kind of everybody does. Oh yeah. I mean. <laughs> you know, Myron Means, the bear coordinator, his office is right next to mine, and we we tease each other all the time. And I tell him, I said, Myron, deer is what keeps the lights on. You know, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, we we tease back and forth. But it, it's you know, white-tailed deer are so important. I mean, they touch so many lives, regardless of whether you hunt or you don't hunt. Like you say, you you live in Little Rock. Uh, you know, the number of people that, that hit deer with vehicles or have some kind of depredation, you know, sure. here in eastern Arkansas, uh, you know, garden, you know, crop depredation, agricultural damage, uh, you know, we get more and more airports that are having issues with white-tailed deer. Northwest Arkansas, people that, that do farmer's markets, I mean, it's unbelievable the issues that, that deer can create. I mean, we had deer jump through a, a window the other day. This was on Facebook at a, at a, a preschool in BB. Uh, it's phenomenal the number of the those type of situations that we have to deal with now. Yeah, yeah. What what is what, how would you kind of sum up what what the white-tailed deer means to not just our economy but our culture? What does it mean to Arkansas? Man, I, it. I'll tell you this. You know, a lot of people you know they call a dollar a buck, and that where they get that from is is back in the 1800s when hunters would would kill a deer and tan out the hide because a lot of shirts were made out of buckskins. A, a buckskin was worth a, a dollar. And so that's where a, a dollar bill, the, the slang for a buck, come a from. Okay. And so, I mean, historically, you know, um, you know, conservation-wise, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's hard to put into words what, what deer mean to conservation in general and to Arkansas. Let me ask you kind of a personal question. Do you ever feel like uh, that's a lot of weight on your shoulders as the as the deer guy in Arkansas? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think about it sometimes, but you know, I, I I enjoy it myself. I mean, that's why we all got into this business. Is you know, we enjoy the outdoors. We we love Mother Nature. We love hunting. We love fishing. Uh, I don't get to do it near as much as I would like to, uh, but uh, you know, I. I just get enjoyment out of other people's, you know, enjoying the resource. I work a lot of check stations during deer season, uh, and you know whether, you know, while I would like to be out deer hunting at deer camp, you know, my family sending me pictures of deer and cooking hot dogs and whatnot. But you know, when people roll into to a check station and you know they're they're proud of what they what they've harvested, sure. and they're taking pictures, and you know we're aging the deer for them and collecting samples and weighing them, and you know. It's just a, it's a good opportunity to, to uh, you know, to be involved with the public and, and just to share in that enjoyment of, of being proud of what you did and, and knowing that, you know, that deer's fixing to go to somebody's supper table. I mean, yeah. that's, and, and, and for me, you know, I, I got over the horn thing a long time ago. I'm, I'm a meat and potatoes guy. And, and after about two or three times of sitting on the deer stand, Something's fixing a ride home in the back of the truck. I mean, I, I get to looking at mashed potatoes I, and gravy. Man, and like, I can I, I can I can support and get behind that all the way. I, I smell fried deer meat, and I'm yeah. like, nah, we're yeah. going. You're going home. Right, right. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about CWD before we wrap things up, and also talk about what what you're seeing in the woods. You mentioned some soft mast and hard mast. I want to get finish up on that, but. CWD, where 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 do we stand right now? You alluded to the big research project going on in Newton and Searcy counties. Uh, what, uh, 
How big a concern is that for you, for the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, and how much of a concern should it be for deer hunters? Yeah, I mean, right now we, we haven't detected CWD in any other counties, any new counties, uh, so that's a good thing. The last deer season. This, this yeah, last yeah. deer season, um, our, our uh, sampling, um, the number of samples that we're collecting has gone up, so that's a good thing as well. Um, you know, are we worried about it? We're concerned about it. I mean, disease has always been part of the management equation. Now that we have detected CWD, it, it's a little heavier than what it was. Uh, but, you know, knowing that we have CWD, uh, knowing where CW, CWD is at, um, using the research that's available to us and the management that we can implement, um, those are things that, you know, that that's what we can do. I mean, we, we are not going to tell people, um, you know, that that we're going to eradicate it because we're probably not. Uh, it is important that we take uh, responsible management actions, whether it be you know restricting feeding or or baiting or um, you know carcass transportation. I mean, we definitely don't want to make the situation worse than what it is. Uh, and then hopes that over time that you know research will catch up and and figure something out. But in the meantime, we've got to do what we need to do. Uh, I tell folks, don't be scared of it. Just be aware of it. Um, you know, years ago, you know, I rode in the back glass of my mom's car. We didn't have seatbelts back then. And that, but, but now, you know, you get in the vehicle, it's, it's just like second nature to put your seatbelt on. And, and I tell people that's the same thing with CWD. You know, when you go hunting in an area, have your deer tested. I mean, we, it's, for, it's free. I mean, we'll test it for free. Yeah, well, I mean, over 100 locations oh, around yeah. the state, right? Yeah, or, so, you know, if you're hunting in the CWD zone, just have it tested. And if, if, it, if it tests positive, we're going to give you a tag. I back. was going to so, bring that up. I yeah. mean, we want folks to continue. But, but don't, I tell folks, don't be scared. Don't be scared of it at all. Yeah. Uh, we might want to add to that that uh, our, our friends at the Arkansas Game and Fish Foundation have kind of sweetened the pot. Yes. Uh, if, you, if you, you know, just... Look, we want you to get your deer tested because it helps us find it if it does show up yeah. someplace new. Uh, but they're offering like what, a lifetime license. Yeah, it was like I think last year we offered two or three. Two, I think yeah, two or three. Yeah, for for just having your deer yeah, tested. Yeah, I mean if that's you a get, heck of a deal. If you get your deer tested, you will automatically be put into a drawing. And at the end of the season, uh, the the folks at the Game and Fish Foundation, with if you're not familiar, is a 501c3 nonprofit that yep. works closely with with the Game and Fish Commission to you know advance hunting and fishing and uh, uh, shooting sports and educational activities related to the outdoors around Arkansas. They'll they'll draw for it and, yep. and uh, you can you can win a lifetime thousand dollar lifetime hunting and fishing it, license. You know, and really, if there's a silver lining behind this, you know, we 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 have begin working with a lot of conservation partners that we hadn't in the past, uh, taxidermists, meat processors. Uh, you know, a lot of these locations that have allowed us to put these these CWD collection freezers at. Uh, so, you know, we've, we've gotten the word out. Folks are more and more aware. Uh, but more importantly, I think, you know, we're working hand in hand with our hunters, our communities, uh, you know, to combat this de disease and manage it. So, I mean, if there is a silver lining, I mean, that's definitely... Kind of engagement has, has increased as, yeah. a, you know, unfortunate. That circumstance, right. but the, but some of the outcomes have, have been possible. That's right, and we we greatly appreciate all the cooperation and the help that we get from the public and hunters. 
All right, well, let's, uh, let, let's move on. If you want to know more about uh, chronic wasting disease in Arkansas, you can always go to agfc.com slash CWD. That's the landing page, and there's lots of links and lots of information there that uh, we could spend hours covering on a podcast, but we, we don't want to get too boring. Uh, let's, let's end, Ralph, by talking about uh, what's this season looking like? And uh, I'm not asking you to uh, lay out tea leaves, table oh, yeah. cards, or pull out a crystal ball, which I know you carry in your briefcase. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, as far as, like, mass crop and, and, you know, status of the population, health of things, I mean, what, 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 what should hunters be looking for this year? Yeah, I mean, just from the time that I've been out, the, the amount of soft mass, the persimmons, the muscadines, seem to be phenomenal this year. Uh, you know, we did have a, a droughty part of the summer there. We got pretty hot, uh, but we, we've had rain pretty consistently this year, uh, and that really helps um, uh, with with hard mass, which, you know, acre and sweep cons, those type of things, but soft mass, especially early. Uh, you know, I talked about Meyer being my next door neighbor there, you know, I, I track bear season early on because it, it really helps indicate, you know, you know what kind of a food is available. I mean, if we yeah, have a they're, nuisance they're, bears, they're, they're eating a lot of the same that's things. That's right. <laughs> if, if our nuisance bear season is, is up, I mean, we know that there's not a whole lot of soft mass going on. I mean, we know that, you know, bears come off of bait early. We know that acorns are starting to fall early. I mean, there's, there's a lot of key things that, that sure. we can watch. Uh, and, but, you know, just being out, you know, checking cameras, setting hog traps, you know, myself doing those type of things, it, there's there's quite a bit of food this year. And so to say that we're gonna have a phenomenal year, uh, you know, bait, uh, the, the effectiveness of bait is really tied to how much native forage and vegetation is available. And so if there's a lot of native food out there available, then, then our supplemental feed is not gonna be near as effective. So, I, you know, I would say that, you know, to say we're gonna harvest in the 180s, the 190s is probably realistic. I, I think at some point we'll be back at 200,000 uh, within the next three to five years. Um, but, you know, to say it's going to happen this year, I, like I said, I wish I had a crystal ball, like you said, but, <laughs> but I don't. But I well, That would make this, wildlife management, no matter what the species is, much, exactly much more, right. uh, much easier. These, these, cooler, this, these cooler temperatures is going to help. You yeah. know, last year was the uh, warmest winter on record here in Arkansas. Uh, and that affects people's willingness to want to get out and sweat on the Well, that's a great point. I mean, you know, not only it, it, it can, I'm sure, affect deer movement, but but it affects oh, yeah. <laughs> hunter motivation quite a bit. Too. You know, and, and we saw this last year, you know, even though it was a down year harvest-wise, um, I was working check station at Felsenthal, and it actually snowed in several parts of the state on open weekend of modern young. I, I remember that, and, yeah. And usually... Thirty to thirty-five thousand is about where we land. Even even in uh, uh, you know in two thousand and twenty when we had the, our record harvest, you know last year was like thirty-eight, thirty-nine thousand. You're talking opening day. Opening or, day yeah. of modern gun deer yeah. season. I mean that weather. I mean it, it hit right, um, and folks were excited. And uh, I mean that's that's what really drives. Uh, you know, deer harvest is, is yeah. people get out having yeah, a good you, time. If you're not and, out there at deer camp, you're work. not you're not going to kill that's them. That's exactly right. Well, Ralph, where are you uh, where are you headed? Uh, you going to get some deer hunting in this season? I know you got to work a lot of <laughs> yeah. times on opening day in particular, but uh, you got any plans? Yeah, I like to bow hunt late uh, when, okay. when deer get back on food plots. A lot of public areas, 
Uh, I've got Fort Chaffee there close to me, and so I like to hunt uh, on food plots late. Most hunters are, are done hunting with. We're talking you know, December, January? January. Yeah, okay. yeah I, I'll do a little bit around Christmas time, but, but January, um, most folks have I've already started thinking about the crappie biting and turkey starting to gobble, and that's kind of when. Or, or heaven forbid, they go looking for ducks. Yeah, or ducks, <laughs> and uh, so I, that's kind of when I get out and do my thing. I, I enjoy just sitting. Even if I don't see deer, uh, I just enjoy sitting out there. And it, I think it's sacrilegious to sit out and sweat while you're deer hunting. So I like to cover myself. I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. I mean, the older I get, the less. Well, I tolerate the cold, but I, man, you know, bugs and oh, 85, 90 degrees and sweat, yeah. not, that's not hunting season to me. Yeah, I, I get the first couple spot, walk in the first couple spider webs, and I'm like, I'm done. You know, <laughs> I, I gotta get, it's got to get cold for me. All right. Well, Ralph, good luck to you out there, uh, both uh, managing uh, Arkansas's deer herd as well as when you get out and get a chance to enjoy it yourself Thanks. later on this season. Really appreciate you being here, man. Thanks for having me, Trey. That's all we got for you today. We'll talk to you next time on the Arkansas Wildlife Podcast.